Good evening. My name is Jerry Geller, and I will be your moderator for this class. Welcome to the Oceanside class. This is a school and not a church, and neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh, our Elohim, and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year 1958. We hold classes in the United States, Canada, and other foreign countries. The Oceanside branch was established in 1994. At this time, I would like to introduce you to the Dean of the Oceanside branch, Dr. Dennis Volpe, and the president, Dr. Carl Emler. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means Elohim is a title that our creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part in a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language have any characters or letters in their alphabet that would produce a sound that is made by this letter J. Neither, neither is there a letter J in the English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus and Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our Father and His Son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, He is incomprehensible, inscrutable, and indiscernible. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in His pure spirit state symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on this chart is within the cloud. 
In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being that is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form could only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Joshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now there is only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what was the name of the Savior during the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface of the Holy Name Bible. Also at this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses atop Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, holy place, and a court round about. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and function of this threefold tabernacle pattern and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The 10 primary constitutional objectives and aims of the Institute are as follows. One, to help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim as he really is and actually exists. Two, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Three, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Four, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, and modern practical and occult science. Five, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Six, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seven, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eight, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Nine, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained that there is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. 10, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah, 
with the hope of a mortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth. At this time, we will have a prayer by Dr. Frank Damasi from our Syracuse class, a scripture lesson, which will be Matthew the 14th chapter and be read by Gail, Dr. Gail Josephson of the Green Bay class. Our scripture readers during class tonight will be Dr. Sharon Welsh from Syracuse class and Dr. Reba Zahar from the Gates class. Dr. Damasi. Good afternoon and good evening, everyone. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay, everybody wanna bow their hearts and minds. Let's try and get all the thoughts of the flesh, of this crazy flesh out of our heads. And let's get in a solace place where we can communicate with our Heavenly Father. Dear Father, Yahweh, let each and every one of us come to truly realize and appreciate the grace that you have bestowed upon us, that you have allowed our eyes to be opened and have revealed your purpose to us and has provided us with such stability through witnesses in the book and in your creation and has separated us from the world. My hope tonight is that one more soul will hear this beautiful gospel and their heart be converted from death right unto life and know and realize and appreciate we have a creator of such magnitude and divine intelligence and divine majesty. Allow each and every one of us to really truly know and appreciate and realize that we have heard a voice from heaven right within our own most holy place in our heart and in our minds. And let's hope that that one new soul will realize and appreciate and treasure this gospel as much as we do. We ask this in your son's name of Yahshua, and then we all say, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our scripture reading tonight is Matthew, the 14th chapter. I'll be reading out of the Holy Name Bible, containing the Holy Name version of the Old and New Testaments, critically compared with ancient authorities and various manuscripts, revised by A.B. Trina of the Scripture Research Association, Incorporated. Matthew 14. At that time, Herod the Tetarch heard of the fame of Yahshua and said unto his servants, this is John the Immerser. He is risen from the dead and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. For Herod had laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodia, his brother Philip's wife, his brother Philip's wife. For John said unto him, it is not lawful for thee to have her. And when he would have put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodia danced before them and pleased Herod. Whereupon he promised with an oath to give her whatsoever she, she would ask. And she, being before instructed of her mother, said, Give me here John the Immerser's head on a platter. And the king was sorry. Nevertheless, for the oath's sake, and them which sat with him at dinner, he commanded it to be given her. 
and he sent and beheaded John in the prison. And his head was brought on a platter and given to the damsel, and she brought it to her mother. And the disciples came and took up the body and buried it and went and told Yahshua. When Yahshua heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. And Yahshua went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. And he healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a desert place and the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Yahshua said unto them, they need not depart, give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, we have here but five loaves and two fishes. He said, bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them and gave the loaves to his disciples and they to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled and they took up of the fragments that remained 12 baskets full. And they that had eaten were about 5,000 men mm. beside women and children. And straightway, Yahshua urged his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him onto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came unto them walking on the sea. And when his disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is an apparition, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Yahshua spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Rabbi, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Yahshua. But when he saw the wind, boisterous he was afraid and began to sink he cried and beginning to sink he cried saying rabbi save me and immediately yashua stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto mm. him O thou of little faith wherefore didst thou doubt and when they were come into the ship the wind ceased when they that were in the ship came and worshiped him saying of a truth thou art the son of yahweh and when they were gone over, they came into the land of Gesineret. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all that country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched were made perfectly whole. That was Matthew, the 14th chapter. Thank you, Dr. Damasi and Dr. Josephson. We will have a three speaker format tonight. Again, my name is uh, Jerry Geller from the Oceanside class, and I will be your first speaker this evening. I loved reading this scripture lesson this evening because it showed how Yahshua went around when he was in the walking in the flesh with his disciples here and the, the children of Israel and who he was walking around with, he was constantly performing miracles 
and showing them that he indeed was more than just a mere man, that he was the son of Yahweh Elohim or the son of Yahweh walking around with them. And the miracles that he did convinced many that he was the Messiah. He, in this scripture lesson right here uh, that we read tonight, Matthew, the 14th chapter, we read how he took a, a, a boy's two fish and five loaves of barley, was it bar loaves of bread or whatever it was, and he took those two, five loaves of bread and the two fishes, and he fed a multitude of 5,000 people. Right. So you can see that Yahweh is the one that's doing the feeding here. Even though the disciples would go get their basket and keep drawing out of the basket more bread and more, more uh, fish to give unto the people, it was Yahweh Elohim or Yahshua the Messiah that was really the one that was doing the providing of the, of the bread because the disciples of their own self had no bread to give, save Yahshua the Messiah just provided this. And he did that back in the wilderness of Sinai when they had nothing mm -hmm. to eat. He had caused manna or bread to rain down from heaven so that the children of Israel were not hungry in the wilderness of Sinai. So you'll see that he is the one that is providing the the food for us down in these last days now in jeremiah i think it's jeremiah 9 and 23 where he says he will provide pastors that will feed, feed you with knowledge and understanding bruce is saying jeremiah 315 yep jeremiah 315 okay there you go and I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. He said he will give you pastors from his own heart, which will feed you with knowledge and understanding. And really, truly, it's rare to be able to partake of these things down here in the last days, because we find that there's a famine in the land that mm -hmm. was prophesied of where there would, wouldn't be uh, food and drink to eat down towards the, down towards the end. And we find that in an, from a natural standpoint, that same thing is happening out in the world in great magnitudes. Here in California, we have a, a unbelievable water shortage and it's not just here in california it's in in the whole west right. west out here you find that it's really hard out here in the west to get some good water and that's causing a lot of the crops because california was a great area uh, that produces a lot of the United States' crop, you'll find that a lot of those farmers are not able to sustain those crops because they don't have the proper water to do so. So you find that in California, there's a lack of, 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 of 
the West Coast, a lack of, um, of water and bread or food to eat. And in addition to that, over the last couple of years, I don't know, it seems like every single time I go to the grocery store, even now when things are better, there's something that somebody's out of because there's right. all these trucking issues and I've never had more trouble getting good food than I have in the last two or three years because of the COVID virus and all the things that are going on. You find it's really hard sometimes to find food and, and water even at the grocery store. And these are things that we take advantage of and we took we had just the idea that we'd never have to worry about getting food and getting water and we thought that in class too that we would never have to worry about having being fed with true knowledge and understanding of Yahweh and his purpose but you That's find right. in fact that there is a great shortage in the land and it's Dr. Kenley told Amos 8 and 11, Jerry. Go ahead and read it, Reeb. Behold, the days come, saith Yahweh Elohim, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of Yahweh. So it's a prophecy of this famine in the, in the land. Mm -hmm. Now, Yahweh, he set someone back when there was a famine that we read about in Egypt. He sent Joseph down in there, a beloved son. He sent down there to store up food for the time of trouble. And then when the famines came and hit Egypt, everyone came to Egypt and they were able to get food, but they had to get it from Joseph, who was uh, the savior of the world at that time. Even his name, I can't remember it. Not savior. Yeah, not savior, but he, they had to come to him to be fed. And let me tell you, he was a, he was a type and shadow of Yahshua, the Messiah being the savior. You could just go his life paralleled Yahshua, the Messiah, all the way down, showing that he was a, a type of him a type of the savior of the world. And now we know when we want to get our knowledge and understanding, we've got to go to Yahshua the Messiah down here too. And it's really kind of hard to find just like it is from a natural standpoint down here at the end of this age, we find that, that it's that Yahshua has to provide. And he certainly has provided a way for all of us to eat. And this blows my mind in this whole chapter, uh, in this particular parable, well, it wasn't a parable, the story about how he fed the 5,000. Mm -hmm. Just look at the few of us that are still preaching the truth, the true gospel of Yahshua the Messiah. And he's taken that little few of us and he's feeding thousands and providing the venue to pull, just keep pulling this thing out and putting it on YouTube and Zoom. And we, we, we are not, we're, we have more people that are listening to the true gospel of Yahshua the Messiah since we've shut down our physical class than before when we were holding class 
several times a week because Yahshua is providing a miracle down here and letting you know who we need, who we need to go to. Mm -hmm. And you find that at the, at the beginning, after he talked about John the Baptist, it talked about in verse 14, how Yahshua had compassion towards the multitude and he healed the sick. He was compassionate mm -hmm. and healed those that were sick. And at the end of the chapter, that's how it ended that the knowledge went around that that's what he was all about. They brought all kinds of disease people unto Yahshua the Messiah. And, and all they did was just touch his garment and they were made whole because they had faith in Yahshua the Messiah. And let me tell you, Yahshua, all through his so-called ministry, we read how he healed the blind man and he healed the man that was lame from his mother's womb. And he, um, he raised Lazarus from the dead. And all these situations that, that would seem impossible. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that salvation would seem impossible for the most of us. In fact, there's none of us that can claim that we were worthy of salvation. But yeah, we could, because we were sick, we were spiritually blind. We couldn't hear the truth even when it was preached to us unless somebody help us. We were lame as lame could be. We were carnally minded. We were dead. We were in such a bad state of affairs from a spiritual standpoint. We were as sickly as sickly could be, really, we were dead. Right. And when you're dead, there's just nothing that you can do because you're dead. And there's nothing that we can do to resurrect our souls unto righteousness. There's nothing that we can do to cause ourselves to see, to cause ourselves to hear, to cause ourselves to be able to stand and not falter all those things we require Yahshua the Messiah to heal us from so that we're able to stand. Because you can't stand without a good foundation. If you look at the chart um, where you have the body of Yahshua the Messiah, uh, A or Asher A chart, and you go down and you look at the feet, and that's the right. foundation of with um foundation right. power and strength that's foundation power and strength is to those that are in the body of yashua the messiah mm -hmm. you don't get that foundation power and strength until you become part of that body of yashua the messiah mm -hmm. and then you're able to stand then you're able mm -hmm. to uh, all those attributes you don't get until you are in the body of Yahshua, the Messiah. And he is going to heal us from all those things that some of us don't even realize that, that we're blind. Some of us don't even realize that we can't hear. I, I've, I've said, I remember saying to my dad, I think you need headphones, uh, earphones, dad. 
what are you talking about? I can hear. I, I just said that to you 40 times before you responded to me. He thought he could hear. But once he was given the head, the earphones, he realized he wasn't hearing at all because he just thought that's what he had, had been so long. He didn't even recognize that he couldn't hear anymore without help. And, and, and likewise, Yahshua is going to heal us from all these things because that's his job. And we might get discouraged when we see things happen out here, just like when Yahshua was walking on the water in this scripture lesson. They all were like, look at that. They supposed it was a spirit. Well, yeah, because that's who Yahshua is, the Holy Spirit. And he walked on the waters, moved on the waters back over there. And we read in Genesis 1 and 2 how the spirit moved on the face of the waters. So mm -hmm. here comes Yahshua, the Messiah. He's the Holy Spirit, and he's walking on the water. And he manifests. He has control of the of the water and the waves back in the creation. And mm -hmm. when he stopped the, the, um, the river um, for the children of Israel to walk through on dry ground, we see how he has control over the water. And we should have been able to look at those witnesses here, at least mm -hmm. Peter should have. And when he, and when Yahshua said, come on, Peter, come on and walk on the waters with me, Peter should have been able to recognize because of the witnesses of the yes spirit moving on the waters here and the Yahweh Elohim or Joshua opening that Red Sea and how he had commanded the waters all the way through. You would have think having those scriptures in the law and the prophets would have given him the faith to keep standing with Yahshua the Messiah out there on the waters. But when a little tumultuous weather came along and the wind got a little boisterous, he got afraid and he started to sink. Mm -hmm. And he called unto Yahshua the Messiah and Yahshua lifted him up and told him, oh, ye of little faith. And that's what's happened down here. There were plenty right here in our midst that were given all the same witnesses in the law and in the prophets to the point that we should not fall after the unbelief that the children of Israel fell under. We should be able to stand and have faith in Yahshua, the Messiah. But even Peter there, he, he did it because he didn't have the Holy Spirit in him yet. Because it's the Holy Spirit that's going to give us that belief, even though he walked with Yahshua, the Messiah, and heard the things that Yahshua said, and heard the law and the prophets and all that. It took Yahshua, the Messiah, to get in him to really cause that manifestation of the Holy Spirit and belief. And and because Peter, he wouldn't stand up for Yahshua, the Messiah before before he got the Holy Spirit, he was scared then too. Scared somebody would associate him with with um with Yahshua. Mm -hmm. But once he was given this the Holy Spirit, you couldn't shut that man's up. So you can see the difference of those that had the even though they even Paul who heard all the law and the prophets 
and was greatly uh, knowledgeable about the things of the law and uh, was a judger. He could judge others. You'll find that he had to have a total turnaround in what he saw. It wasn't it wasn't just the knowledge of the law and the prophets. He had to have the spirit in him. So you can't study the law and the prophets or walk around with someone with the Holy Spirit like Peter did or who walked around with the Holy Spirit. You have to actually have the Holy Spirit in you before you're going to be able to, to, um, to have that stability and strength mm -hmm. and that faith that, that was talking that that he talked to Peter about, oh, ye a little faith. And when the disciples were, were come to his grave and, and he had resurrected already and they're walking around and they're all forlorn and Yahshua the Messiah is like, why are you so forlorn, you know? And they're like, oh, well, don't you know what's going, what's going on? And he called them fools. He said, oh, fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Messiah to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? I'm reading from Luke 24, 25 through 27. And then he went to Moses and all the prophets and expounded the things concerning himself. Mm -hmm. But they didn't really understand until after the day of Pentecost when he gave his spirit unto them. So we shouldn't be surprised when we see all these people that were raised up knowing they need to go to the law and the prophets and everything come to a point where they're sinking. And in order to, in order to, to have that faith um, renewed, you're going to have to reach out to Yahshua, just like Peter did. And Yahshua stretched forth his hand and caught him. And said, Oh, ye of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And we need to grasp a hold of Yahshua. It's having that Holy Spirit as a constant part of us, within us, taking care of giving us this faith. That's mm -hmm. what it's going to take for us to be able to keep walking when things are so boisterous and all kind of stuff is going around. And what happened is that even though they had, some had those witnesses, they are willing to do that final step to reach unto Yahshua to be the one to deliver us. If Peter could have just said, I'm just going to swim over to the shore. I'm getting kind of tired. Or he could have said, throw me a life jacket or something. But his only way to be saved was to, to have Yahshua reach forth his hand unto him and pull him unto salvation. And the only way that we're going to be saved is through Yahshua, the Messiah. It's not going to be through another lifeguard, another, uh, you know, somebody throw, uh, you know, coming by on a, on lifeboat it's our salvation is Yahshua the messiah and that's why we need to keep trusting and counting on his miracles but don't think that there aren't miracles on, on the other side At the last class i went to over there in syracuse they were talking about the the um the uh, mystery of iniquity and they were reading over there in second thessalonians the second chapter how that the the 
Satan came with his lying wonders and the mystery of iniquity. He can put forth a good show. Let me tell you, mm-hmm. he's, he's referred to often as having a sleight of hand and craftiness. And all you can think of is these magicians. And you look at these magicians and they can like change outfits in two seconds. You know, mm-hmm. they, they can disappear and appear and they can cause you to see something that your eyes are saying that's is that's that's there i'm sure it's there that's what my eyes are saying but then you turn around and what you thought was really there wasn't really there mm-hmm. cuz they've got that sleight of hand and the mystery of iniquity they got miracles they did too excuse me i had to take a drink when they were back there when moses was given the two signs that he came from Yahshua the Messiah, or that he was sent by Yahweh, Elohim. He was given those, he was told to toss down his rod and it would turn into a serpent. And Pharaoh said, well, that's that's nothing. I can do the same thing as you. And he cast, they cast his, their magicians cast down their rods and they turned into snakes too. So they might look like they've got an awful lot of power, enough to be scary down here at the end. But if we can just reach Yahshua's hands and know that he has given us, as he said, power to tread over serpents. He, he, those serpents that, that those magicians put forth were swallowed up by Moses's serpent. Mm-hmm. Showing that Yahweh's power is more powerful than satan's power and he said um where's that verse that talks about satan as a fiery serpent over as peter or something like that i don't know but whatever it is we the satan does not have power over us because we are not ignorant of his devices we know what he's doing and we can see through him but only because we come down here to these classes and we learn and we see, and this purpose is never changed from beginning to ending, ending, <laughs> beginning to ending. This purpose is not changed. So we can see how he's providing salvation, even when it just doesn't necessarily seem possible. It seemed like a miracle to me when he pulled Daniel out of that lion's den alive. Mm-hmm. And it was a miracle when he pulled Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego out of that fiery furnace. It was a miracle that he caused Lazarus to raise from the dead. And Elijah was able to raise that lad from the dead back in the law, which that was in fulfillment of. It was a miracle that he opened the Red Sea for the children of Israel to go through. It was miracle after miracle after a miracle that he did. And the mere Mm -hmm. fact that it's a miracle shows that the children of Israel weren't doing it by themselves. Daniel didn't do it by himself. Shadrach and Meshach didn't keep from burning their own selves. The children of Israel didn't open the Red Sea. All they could do was stand still and see the salvation of Yahweh. And let me tell you, that's all you can do is stand still and see the salvation of Yahweh. What miracle is he going to perform for me? I have seen miracle after miracle after miracle in my own life many lately to know beyond a shadow of a doubt 
that whatever comes my way, I don't doubt that Yahshua the Messiah, he's got the control over that and can change it if, if it be his will. And I know it is his will that his sons would come into a knowledge and understanding of him. And it's a miracle because that faith is only going to come by Yahshua reaching out his hand to you and giving of his spirit unto you. See, and we're partakers of that miracle. So we don't need to sit around and what am I need? What do I need to do to be saved? Do I need to come to every single class I can come to? Well, you know, it's good to come to every class because Joshua does bring to remembrance the things that he's taught to you. And he does teach to us through the vessels that are at these classes. And that's the way he is set forth for salvation to take place. But it's not you coming that's going to give you that salvation. But you that still doesn't negate the fact that you got to come to class. See, Yahshua is the one that's performing the miracle. If the, the children of Israel didn't go through the Red Sea after he performs a miracle, then they wouldn't have been saved. But Yahshua the Messiah is the one that's put us all in this position where we're dead, we're un incapable of helping ourselves, of healing ourselves, of feeding ourselves. And Yahshua the Messiah is taking care of it all for us. See, I, I love how he shows us these physical examples. During COVID, when we were stuck in our home, the doctor says, don't leave the house. Elijah's deli delivered three meals a day for free to our house. <laughs> he provided the food. He provided every single thing that we needed to last during that time that we were told we had to isolate. He provided every single thing for us. And the same thing from a spiritual standpoint. He is providing it all. He's doing it all. He's doing the work. It was him in Joseph. It was him in Daniel. It was him in the apostles doing the work. And it's going to be you, him in you doing the work. And it's going to be a mighty, mighty miracle that Yahshua is doing through us. And we should be forever thankful and forever, ever grateful unto our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah. Thank you very much for your attention. I would like to call for our second speaker this evening, Dr. Sherry Williams from the Orlando, Florida branch. Dr. Williams. Good evening, class. Can you hear me okay? Good evening, yes. Okay, I thoroughly enjoyed Dr. Geller. Um, that was a very powerful testimony. And um, I, I just wanna try to pick up uh, where she left off. She, she covered a lot of ground. Um, but I always like to mention that the things that we do preach and teach down here in this school is because of the great divine vision and revelation that our heavenly father Yahweh Elohim through Yahshua the Messiah did give our founder Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the year of 1931 mm -hmm. um, wherein he was instructed by Yahshua to go forth in the world 
and teach his people his will. And because he was obedient to the heavenly vision that he did receive, we're blessed to be in class this evening. Um, before we go to the scripture lesson, if you can hold that scripture lesson, I always like to do this because um, I, I hear the founders stressing it a lot on SoundCloud. You know, I mention that a lot because I, I listen to SoundCloud an uh, awful lot because I really appreciate those tapes being able to hear the testimony of the founder, the one that Yahweh did catch up to the third heaven, as it were, and revealed unto him his entire purpose, pattern, and plan of salvation from the beginning until the end. So, you know, for me to hear it from the horse's mouth, if you will, I appreciate being able to do that. Um, let's go over to, uh, let's get numbers. Numbers, I think it's 35 and 30. I think that's what I need. Um, and then, uh, of course, we know this in my heart, Isaiah 8 and 20. And then if the other scripture reader can get for me, uh, Matthews 18 and 16. You got numbers 35 and 30. Numbers 35 and 30. Whoso killeth any person, the murderer shall be put to death by the mouth of witnesses. But one witness shall not testify against any person to cause him to die. Moreover... Yeah. You shall take no satisfaction for the life of the murderer, which is guilty of death, but he shall surely be put to death. Okay, it did say uh, one witness shall not rise, but that's not exactly the one. Let's one try Deuteronomy 17 and 6. Maybe that's it. I'm sorry. What is it? Deuteronomy 17 and 6. Let's see if that talks about two or three witnesses. That's what I'm looking for. Yes, 17 and 6 in Deuteronomy. At the mouth of two witnesses or three witnesses shall he that is worthy of death be put to death, but at the mouth of one witness he shall not be put to death. Absolutely. So in, in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall the matter be established. I think it repeats itself in 19 and 15. And then we know that Isaiah 8 and 20, you don't have to read this one, uh, says to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it's because there's no uh, light in them or Holy Spirit in them, as the founder says on SoundCloud. So uh, we have in the law, uh, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, we go to Isaiah 8 and 20, to the law and to the prophets. Uh, uh, if they speak not according to this word, who is Yahweh Elohim? There's no light in them. And then Yahshua has to fulfill that uh, in Matthews, I think it's 18, 16. Am I right? It's Yahshua's. Um, 18 and 16. Yes, please. But, yes. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Absolutely. So we just went law of prophecy fulfillment to prove that that's how Yahshua teaches. You know, it, it is in the mouth of two or three witnesses. And we all know that over in... Um, uh, John 5 and 39, Yahshua told the people in his ministry, ye search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they 
which testify on me. So in other words, the law and the prophets, and we've learned since being in class that the law is not just the Ten Commandment law, but the law can, is, uh, consists of the first five books of our Bible, the accredited writer being Moses. That's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So uh, um, he says, and then the prophecy or the testimony is from Joshua, truly Joshua, to Malachi, the next 34 books, making a total of 39 books, what the world calls the Old Testament. Right. That is the law and the prophets. And Joshua said that they testify of him. Those are his two witnesses. And at the feet, I believe it is on the uh, Mystery of Iniquity chart, you see at the feet of right. Yahweh know him you see law and prophets there as his two witnesses it says okay all right so now let's go ahead and go to the scripture lesson uh where it talks about uh the killing of um john the baptist there i think that's the first part of the lesson um I you want me to pick it up at six or okay uh-huh but when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter, I'm sorry, this is Matthew 14, verse 6. And when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodians danced before them and pleased Herod, whereupon he promised with an oath to give her whatsoever she would ask. And she, being before instructed of her mother, said, give me here John Baptist's head in a charger. And the king was sorry. Nevertheless, for the oath's sake, and them which sat with him at me, he commanded it to be given her, and he sent and beheaded John in the prison. And his head was brought in a charger and given to the damsel, and she brought it to her mother. Oh, okay, that's, that's very good. Okay, so now we see that here you got to have... Uh, John the Baptist, who was commissioned by Yahweh Elohim to uh, be that voice crying in the wilderness to prepare the way of the Savior, Yahshua the Messiah, right? And mm -hmm. uh, John was actually supposed to be up in the temple, if you will. He was supposed to be, because his, his father was priest, you know, and he was supposed to be priest, but he was commissioned by the Holy Spirit, you understand, to be in the wilderness you know, uh, being that voice crying in the wilderness to prepare the way of Yahshua. And he was commissioned by the Holy Spirit to baptize uh, unto repentance. So what happened, the people came to him and they came to him confessing their sins. That's over in Matthews. You read that they came to John confessing their sins because mm -hmm. he would ask them a question, say, have you sinned? And they would say, yes, I've sinned. So he will say, okay, then repent and be baptized. And he will baptize them, right? And so um, uh, all of the Hebrew people were supposed to be baptized by John the Baptist before Yahshua hit the cross, you know. But uh, you had the scribes and the Pharisees and what have you, even they came out there to see what was going on. And the question was asked, what you out here for? To see the wind blow, the weeds around or something like that? It's in the book song. <laughs> <laughs> and everything. But he was being obedient to the dictates of the Holy Spirit, Yahshua the Messiah, who is Yahweh Elohim, as we know that these three are one. And um, so after he had, had completed his mission, right? 
uh, baptizing those that willingly went to be baptized uh, unto him. In other words, uh, when his mission was complete, then in other words, uh, John the Baptist, he was cut off at the Jordan. That's the point I'm trying to get at. Was yeah. that John the Baptist, his mission was cut off at the Jordan. It, it was done, you know. And so now, mm. if you remember, when he got arrested and all of that, he told some of his disciples, he said, look, go on out there and ask Joshua if he be the one, because if he's not the one, then we just going to look for another. Because mm. what had happened was, the Holy Spirit that Yahshua had given John the Baptist in the womb of his mother, when yes. you could barely even see him with his with, with your bare, you know, with your natural eyes, he was so small, Yahshua Messiah being newly conceived in, in Mary, the uh the Virgin Mary, right? When she mm. heard about her cousin, the angel had told her about Elizabeth. her cousin, Elizabeth, yes. right? Right. And so uh, she went into, as it says, the high country, you know, and she met with her cousin and she remained there until the birth of John the Baptist. And we know that uh, Joshua was conceived in the Virgin Mary's womb in September, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, she goes to the high country in September and she stays three months, so that's October, November, December. So in December, uh, and revealed by the vision of Revelation, December the 6th, to be exact, you know, uh, John the Baptist is born. He's the undertaker, you understand? So he's got to be born in the death and burial part of the year, you see, correlating mm -hmm. with his mission in this world is to bury the dead Jews. You get what I mean? So he has to be born in the death and burial part of the year, you know, uh, his mission manifests with his birth. So John the Baptist is born in December, not Yahshua the Messiah. Yeah. But the point is, when he when when uh, the Virgin Mary went up there in September to to check on her cousin that was stricken in age, she conceived him in her later years. You know, John the Baptist because she had been barren. You know, and so mm -hmm. when she went up there, her cousin was glad to see her. And you read in the scripture that they greeted you know, saluted each other with a hug, you know, and as they hug, you know, here she is, uh, seven, eight, now she's, uh, six, Luke seven, pregnant. yeah, she's six months pregnant, and then three months later, he's born, so in mm. September, she's six months pregnant with John the Baptist, and Yahshua's newly conceived in the Virgin Mary's womb, so when they greeted, right, then, Yahshua, the great creator, laying in there. You understand what I'm saying? He just shot the Holy Spirit into John the Baptist there in the womb of his mother. And you read in the scripture that he leaped in the womb. You right. understand? <laughs> and everything. But, uh, boy, it, it's beautiful. So he, he gave him the Holy Spirit so that he could do his job to prepare the, the way of himself, Yahshua the Messiah, you know. But what happened when he got arrested, right? Why is he running around here talking about all this time? He's talking about, you know, uh, the kingdom of Yahweh is at hand and da da da. da. He's out there, you know how he was. And, and they thought he was crazy because uh, he uh, his hair and his beard wasn't cut and he's wearing uh, lamb skin and he's eating locusts and, and honey and this and that. They thought he was. Uh, I offer his rockers, you know, <laughs> that was nuts and crazy. Like, what is wrong with this man? You know, 
And so uh, then when he get arrested, what happened uh, uh, virtually, Yahshua took back the Holy Spirit, if you will, you understand? Because just like mm -hmm. down through the ages and dispensations before the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was never permanently placed. He would use a vessel, do what he got to say in that vessel, or do what he got to do in that vessel, and then that was it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it, it, this is still during that time period before the, the day of Pentecost. So he mm -hmm. took his Holy Spirit back. And, and that's why John up there in jail talking about, well, ask Yahshua if he be the one. And if he's not the one, we just going to look for another. Because the Holy Spirit had left him. <laughs> Get what I'm saying? Yahshua took his Holy Spirit back, if you will. Because in other words, his job is done. So therefore, that's why his head got to be cut off now. Because John the Baptist's mission is finished, and he's cut off at the Jordan. You get what I mean? So now you find out that Moses, uh, now John the Baptist is the last prophet to prophesy of the coming of Yahshua the Messiah under the law, right? Now, Yash, I mean, Moses okay. is the first prophet to prophesy of the coming of Yahshua the Messiah under the law. Right, yeah, so yeah. you find out that Moses' mission and John the Baptist's mission is similar. In other words, that's why you read over there in Exodus, uh, I think it's uh, 14 and 21, where they're going through the divided waters of the Red Sea and they're following that phenomenal cloud. Yeah. And, and, and the apostle Paul, he's rehearsing that thing over there in 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. And it talks about how that the children of Israel were baptized, listen to the words, baptized in the cloud and in the sea unto Moses. So you see uh, the first prophet, the prophesy of the coming of Yahshua and Messiah under the law, the children of Israel are being baptized in the cloud and in the sea, it says, unto Moses. You right. get it? So you got Moses baptizing the children of Israel, you know, and then some what, uh, 1,500 years later, you see you got mm -hmm. John the Baptist baptizing. There it is. Thank you. Uh, 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 the children of Israel. You get what I'm saying? So you got mm -hmm. Moses and John the Baptist playing the self same role, right? So mm -hmm. we know that after 40 years in the wilderness, correct? Mm -hmm. uh, and Children of Israel, they have to be in the wilderness for 40 years because we're going according to the pattern even before the pattern was given, right? So right. you got the blood of the lamb, you see, put on the four points of the door there down in the land of Egypt. Then you got that blood, you see? And then you're coming through the divided waters of the Red Sea. These are the precepts of the gospel. You got water. Then you got that cloud that led them is typified spirit. So that's blood, water, and spirit. Yeah. And then uh, revealed by the vision, the next precept is 40. You see, that bonus is 40, right? So they're in the wilderness for 40 years, okay? And, see, and when the tabernacle was reared up, right, every single day they had to offer up a lamb in the morning and a lamb in the evening, and putting that four points of blood on that altar of, of sacrifice, right? That's blood. There was washing there in that labor <clears> there. <throat> uh-huh. And that's water. And then you got the spirit, you know, the, the cup of anointing, all the priest was uh, anointed there as blood, water, spirit. And we know that the tabernacle pattern was in construction for 40 weeks or yeah. nine months. You get it? 
So mm. they're going by the pattern before the pattern was even given. So the point is, at the expiration of the 40-year period of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Sinai, just like the, uh, Dr. Geller said, that Yahweh rained down bread for the children of Israel because they whined and complained unto Moses that they were hungry. So he rained down bread in the morning, and then uh, in the evening, uh, uh, he had the quail to fall from the sky. You get what mm -hmm. I mean? And mm -hmm. it's with scriptures that Yahweh fed the children of Israel quail on toast as it were you understand what I'm saying <laughs> out there in that wilderness so you got bread in the morning and you got quail in the evening or flesh in the evening you get what I mean so the point is they were fed just like in the scripture lesson that he fed the multitude with two fishes and five loaves of bread so uh as a previous speaker talked about but I wanted to get to that Jordan so at the end of the 40-year period right now, Moses cannot cross that Jordan. You get what I'm saying? Right. See, so just like John the Baptist is cut off at the Jordan, you see, and they were baptized uh, onto uh, John the Baptist there, uh, the baptism of repentance. So the children of Israel, they can, listen, Moses got to be cut off at that Jordan. He cannot cross that Jordan. Right. And y'all remember it was brought out by the vision and revelation that uh, the children of Israel said they were thirsty. And uh, Yahweh had told Moses, well, uh, speak to the rock and it will uh, bring forth water to, to, to water the children of Israel. I don't know if that's not the right word, uh, to, to provide water for them to drink, you know, in the wilderness. But Moses was so upset with the uh, uh, stiff-necked children of Israel. They were rebelling and whining and complaining all the time. He just got mad. Mm -hmm. But the rock. And it still uh, brought forth water like Yahweh had promised, but that's not what Yahweh told him to do. He told him to speak right. to the rock. But even in Moses' quote-unquote disobedience to strike the rock, it was according to Yahweh's purpose because we know that Yahshua the Messiah is the true rock, right? And right. then they strike Yahshua. You understand? Yes. Beating for the stripes across his back and then uh, uh, they saw that he was dead on that cross when they were breaking the legs of two men that were crucified with him. When they came to him, he was dead already, so they can't break his bone. The scripture said they couldn't. So they pierced him in the side and came out what? Blood and water. So you see the true rock being struck from a natural standpoint, blood and water comes out. But the reality is that spiritual water, you understand what I'm saying? By the true rock, rock being struck. Uh, uh, struck on the day of Pentecost, you got that spiritual water being poured out as he promised them uh, power from Ohio in that upper room um, in Acts, the second chapter. All right, so now we're at the Jordan River with Moses. So you read over there that Moses, uh, he could not cross that Jordan because of that. He disobeyed Yahweh's spoken word. He struck right. the rock that is speaking to it. So uh, he was told to go on up into Mount Nebo and he died there. And it says in the scriptures that till this day, they don't know where his grave is. You understand what I mean? And I believe it's, uh, get it for me. I think it's Deuteronomy. What is it, you guys? Um, I think it's 34. Let's pick up, uh, let's pick up the first verse and then drop down to seven. 
Deuteronomy 34 and 1, and Moses went up from the plains of Moab unto the mountain of Nebo to the top of Pisgah that is over against Jericho, and Yahweh showed him all the land of Gil Gilead unto Dan. Okay, that's good right there. Okay, so you see he went up into Mount Nebo, and he saw the promised land, but he couldn't cross over. All right, mm -hmm. so now let's drop down to seven. I don't want to read all that. Let's just drop to seven. Seven, and Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force ab abated. Mm -hmm. Keep on. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses was ended. All right. So they, they mourned the death of Moses 30 days, right? Mm -hmm. uh, at Jordan there as he went up into Mount Nebo. And you read later that they had they were told to get victuals ready for three days before they crossed that Jordan. So you got the principle of 33 then they cross that Jordan. You get mm -hmm. what I'm talking about? But Moses yeah. could not cross. So the point is, uh, his mission was cut off at the Jordan. So therefore, John the Baptist got to be cut off at the Jordan. Their, their uh, missions were one and the same. You got yeah. the, the first one prophesied was coming because he told the people in Deuteronomy, I think it was 18, <laughs> that Yahweh was going to raise up a prophet unto the children of Israel and he was going to be just like me, Moses, right? So that's yeah. why we have the beginning Moses because he said that uh, he would be just like me, Moses. You know what I'm saying? So, um, all right. So now, so that's how, that's the uh, deal with, with uh, John the Baptist. So the next thing in the scripture lesson was that when Yahshua uh, walked the water, y'all? I think that's when he, uh, the previous speaker talked about it. Uh, Matthew's 14 chapter, is that it? Let's see. No, that's where he fed the multitude. Okay, I touched that a little bit. I didn't really want to work with that. Let's go on over to 20. We're not going to have it read, but it's the 22nd chapter or the 14th, I mean, the 22nd verse of the 14th chapter of John. Uh, the previous speaker talked about how Yahshua walked on the water. Yeah. And everything. All right. So now we know that everything that Yahshua the Messiah is doing is in fulfillment of something written in the law and in the prophets. Mm -hmm. Now, in Genesis, the first chapter, we're not going to have it read. We read over in Genesis 1 and 1 that it says that the spirit of Yahweh, Elohim, moved upon the face of the waters. Right? Right. So you see him, Yahweh, Elohim, up here on this mountain. It's a spiritual shape and form of a man. That's the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. See, he has feet, hands, and a body, as you read in Exodus 24, 9, and 10, you see. Uh, but his body is is uh, uh, not a natural body. It's a spiritual heavenly. body. So when he, a heavenly body, yes, a body of heaven in his clearness, right? So he's right. walking upon the face of the waters there in Genesis, the first chapter. You see what I'm saying? This is the Holy Spirit walking upon the face of the waters, right? Mm -hmm. So then we know that uh, when you came down the line, you got that ark. You see it down here at the bottom of the Moses chart. You got the ark at the end of the antediluvian age, right? It's on the face of the water. And all life is in that ark. You get what I mean? Oh, my yes, goodness. Man. You see, at the end of the antediluvian <laughs> age. 
So you're seeing the spirit on uh, walking the face of the water in Genesis at the beginning of the antediluvian age, at the end of it, declaring the end from the beginning. You got that ark walking, Mm -hmm. uh, walking, oh boy, on uh, floating Mm -hmm. on the face of the waters. And Mm -hmm. that ark represents the Holy Spirit because Mm -hmm. it is decks. You got the upper deck, the middle deck, lower deck, three decks, but one ark which is yes. proven the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. Right. These three are one. And it has one door in the side. Yahshua mm-hmm. said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, right? Mm-hmm. And if they didn't enter that door into that ark, they all died, right? Only yes. eight souls that door was saved. And then you got one skylight or one window in that ark, right? <laughs> and Yahshua got to say, I am the light mm-hmm. of the world. You get yes. what I mean? So that art represents Yahshua the Messiah. So you see him in, in a type on the face of the waters. You see the that ship. You see that art floating on the face of the waters there. You get what I'm saying? So you see him in Genesis. You see him there, you know, in the art. So then when you come down to Yahshua the Messiah, you see he got to uh, tell the people to get in the ship. As we read in our scripture lesson, then they got to go out there and and you got a tempest on the sea. You get what I mean? And uh, Yahshua began to walk on the waters. Yahshua, why are you walking on the water, Yahshua? I'm fulfilling. You didn't forget. (laughs) I said I came to fulfill, which means to complete, finish, and bring to an end. So I got to walk on the face of the water to fulfill me walking on the face of the water, Genesis 1-1, planting life uh, to fulfill that ark there you see where all life ended at the end of the antediluvian age you understand typify mm-hmm. me you get what i'm saying so then when he comes in he gotta walk on the face of the water you get what i'm talking about in yeah. fulfillment you see and like she brought out dr geller brought out that old pete he said well i want to walk too yashua and he he said well come on and then he stepped out there but the winds and the waves he got scared you see and he was he a little faith and he began to sing yashua reached out grabbed him by hand and brought him on up, you see. But he's fulfilling mm-hmm. the law and the prophets. You get what I mean? So now down here in the spiritual reality, the point of it is, like the previous speaker said, since we came into this class, we were dead, you guys. Well, uh, uh, we just came to class dead on arrival. You get what I mean? But mm-hmm. now by the preaching of the unadulterated gospel of Yahshua the Messiah, right? We are baptized in the Holy Spirit, see, or buried, if you will. You understand what I'm saying? So you were dead and we're buried or baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's 1 Corinthians, what is that, y'all? Uh, 12, 13. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Doesn't matter if we Jews or Gentiles, male or female, bond or free, mm-hmm. we're all one in Yahshua, the Messiah. You see, so we're baptized in the Holy Spirit by the preaching of the unadulterated gospel of Yahshua Messiah. Then what do we do? We resurrect in the body of Yahshua Messiah. So that's a death and a burial. You get what I mean? And then you read over there. um, So we're talking about being baptized. You see, oh, what is that? That's uh, John 7 and 38 too. It says, um, uh, he that believeth on me, that's Yahshua speaking, as the scriptures has said, out of his belly, not down here where you eat at, 
But up here in your heart and mind, now we studied the physical body by the pattern. We got ventricles up there in the mind. And yes. it's a type and a shadow, but it's pointing out that you got bellies in your heart and in your mind. So yes. he that believeth on me, as the scriptures have said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So you see, mm -hmm. when you're being baptized mm -hmm. in the Holy Spirit, see, that's mm -hmm. the living waters. You get what mm -hmm. I'm saying? You read over in Revelations, I think it's the seventh chapter, where it talks about that uh, the sons' uh, robes are being washed white in the blood of the Lamb. So by the preaching of the gospel, see our souls, which the robes represent in Revelations, our souls are being washed white in the blood of the Lamb. So that's yeah. the gospel we talk about. That's the true blood of Yahshua Messiah, the blood that was spilt before the foundation of the world. You get what I mean? And we're washed in the water by the word. Mm -hmm. That's Ephesians, the fifth chapter there. You get what I mean? And the living water. So that's blood and water and baptized in the Holy Spirit. You understand? And here we are in the fourth age. You see, you got mm -hmm. the age dispensation chart. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping up now for age and dispensation chart. And the fourth, you see where we are. It's important to know where we are, the fourth age. Mm -hmm. That's, I don't know if you got it. But anyway, we're in the fourth age. So you see, your, your soul's being washed white in the blood of the Lamb. That's the blood of right. Yahshua. We're washed in the living waters. You understand? We're baptized in the Holy Spirit. See that blood, water, spirit. We're in the fourth age. That's your four or 40. You can add and subtract zeros. You understand? But the point is we're in the fourth age. So that's blood, water, spirit, and 40. You get what I mean? It is beautiful, you see. Yeah, and it is. Give me Colossians. Um, Colossians uh, 1. Mm, I think it's, uh, is it 12? You see? And, and before you read this, I want to point, I just heard Dr. Kinley uh, go into this uh, on SoundCloud. I think it's tape number three, and you can check it out. He's, he's talking about us being translated into the kingdom right now. Mm -hmm. And he the antediluvian age, and he said, what's that man's name, baby, in the antediluvian that translated? Uh, I can't Anna, think of his name. Anna, thank you, sweetie. Enoch yeah. was translated without seeing death in the antediluvian age. Right. Then you have Elijah in the post-diluvian age. He was right. translated without seeing death in the post-diluvian age. And then Dr. Kelly said, and here we now in the present kingdom age, yeah. right? We're being translated right now today by the preaching of the unadulterated gospel of Yahshua the Messiah and receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit in us, which is Yahshua the Messiah in us, our only hope of glory. We're being translated into the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah right now without seeing death. It's beautiful, you guys. So let's read it. That's Colossians, Colossians 1, 13. Okay. I'll pick it up at 12. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the sons in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. Yes. And hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even mm -hmm. the forgiveness of sins. Mm -hmm. See, we have redemption through his blood, even yes. the forgiveness of sin. But you see how he said that we are translated into the kingdom of his dear son. Mm -hmm. That Yahweh has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Mm -hmm. Right now, present tense. Isn't that beautiful? Mm -hmm. You know yes. what I'm saying? 
we're in the the uh, uh, the the, uh, uh, the spiritual kingdom right. on earth right now, mm, right. present tense, before the universal revelation, we must be in the kingdom. And how you mm. get in the kingdom by receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. You mm-hmm. get what I'm. All right. Mm-hmm. So now drop on down to twenty six, and I'm done. Um, in Colossians. Yes, ma'am. You want me to read that verse? Yes, please. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his sons, to whom Yahweh would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Yahshua in you, the hope of glory. The hope of glory. And see, in your in your King James Bible, it says the uh I think it says Christ in you in the King James Bible, but in the holy name, it says the Messiah in you is your only hope of glory. And we had a little bit of wackety wackety down here in Florida about the Messiah. Who was the Messiah? You know what I'm saying? And, and, and all of that. Listen, you had the Messiah before the world was. You understand? Yeah. Say after, after they were kicked, the, de- the devil and his host kicked out of heaven. They said the kingdom was there. The power of his Messiah was there and he didn't have on no physical body. So don't tell me that the Messiah is only the man hanging on the cross. Okay, I see the bell then. You understand what I'm saying? So uh, uh, um, so the Messiah in us, right, is our only hope of glory. That's yes. Yahshua the Messiah in us is our only hope of glory. So all praises and honor going to Yahweh our Elohim through Yahshua, the Messiah, our Savior. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Williams. Our next speaker will be the Dean of the Oceanside Branch, Dr. Dennis Volpe. I want to say good evening to everyone. And first of all, let's do a sound check and everybody hear me okay. You're good. Yeah. Good, okay. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, The first two speakers definitely uh, put out a lot of great information. There's a lot to work with with what both of them had said. And what I want to do is I want to continue on uh, trying to show just a couple of things from that scripture reading that uh, struck me. Now, I want to go back to uh, the beginning of the scripture there, if you would. Uh, Let's see here. That was... uh, Matthew Matthew 14. 14. Yeah, let's just start right at 1. Matthew 14 and 1. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard of the fame of Yahshua. Now, let let me say one thing. Wait a minute. Let me say one thing about Herod. Herod was a guy that was uh, uh, credited for the structure of the Herodian temple. And Herod, if you check historically, and I'm not sure, Rick can correct me on this, uh, uh, if it was, I'm not sure if there was two Herods, a father and a son, but one of them was friends with the emperor of Rome. And Herod, who was a Jew, would go to Rome and go with the emperor to worship pagan deities up in the temples there in Rome. Now, here is Herod, uh, here that is talking about, and let's find out what, what happens here. Keep reading. Verse 2, And said unto his servants, This is John the Baptist, 
he is risen from the dead and therefore mighty works do show forth himself themselves in him now now stop right there that's what i want to i want to key in on this he heard of the fame of Yahshua and he assumed that John the Baptist had risen from the dead and incarnated in the body of Yahshua the Messiah. Because the things that he did were somehow strikingly reminiscent to him of John the Baptist. And so when, I, when we read this tonight, a thought occurred to me. These people that obviously are carnally minded before the day of Pentecost cannot, and Dr. Kinley said, the carnal mind cannot penetrate the spiritual realm. Yes. Now, what he was seeing was a spirit, but didn't even recognize what he was looking at because the same spirit that was in John the Baptist is, was in Yahshua the Messiah. He was born as the speak first. I think the second speaker talked about Cherie, that John the Baptist was born with the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. and it was the Holy Spirit that was prophesying and preaching out of John the Baptist, preparing the advent of the coming of the Messiah, and that the Messiah then would be introduced, if you will, by him. Now. People cannot comprehend this unity of the Spirit. This is the whole point. So he assumed that John the Baptist rose from the dead and was inside Yahshua the Messiah. Now I want to go over for just a second. Hold your finger there. And I want you to go to Corinthians. Uh, I think it's 1 Corinthians. Let me see here. I think it's 1 Corinthians, the... Uh, first chapter or is it the second chapter it might be the second chapter hang on for a second i want you to go over there where the princes of this world it, it talks about didn't know him that's in second it might be in first corinthians 2 start two and seven let's start at seven two and seven but well, we speak the wisdom of Elohim in a mystery. Now listen, even the listen, when we speak, when we're up here preaching this gospel, we are speaking the wisdom of Yahweh or Elohim, and it's in a mystery. Now the mystery is not understood and has not been made known to those that are carnally minded. And so what has to happen here is all the things that we see written in the Bible that people have read, uh, you know, countless number of theologians have tried to uh, break open this Bible and what the whole thing is all about, and they don't see the mystery that is taking place. And it was expressed by both Jerry and Cherie in their discourse. Now, we speak the wisdom of Yahweh in a mystery. Read. Mm -hmm. uh, even the even hidden wisdom. The hidden, even the hidden wisdom which Yahweh ordained before the world unto our glory. Now, all these things, I'm sorry, I, I have to interrupt you along the way, and I think there might be a slight hesitation, that, uh, so we're going to get a little crossed up. Um, so bear with me on that. But what we're talking about here is we're talking about a hidden wisdom. 
Now, what you just heard expressed by the first two speakers was showing you Yahweh's purpose or the wisdom of Yahweh that is manifested down through the law and the prophets. And it is not understood. That purpose is not known by anyone. It has to be expressed and taught by the Holy Spirit for you to be able to catch on to it. Right. And so, Dr. Kinley, what he did is he opened up to us this Bible and showed us the pattern of how the Bible was, was, was operating according to a pattern. Now, Cherie got up and worked with, you know, the whole thing with blood, water, spirit, and 40. That goes right according to the tabernacle pattern uh, that we have all been taught. And let me pull up this pattern chart uh, because... Uh, I'm I'm still wrestling with uh, running these uh, charts here. <laughs> what a, I didn't realize the job it was until you have to do it. But I'm looking for the body tabernacle chart here, and let me see if I can find it real quick. I got a feeling I got to go down to the four and one chart. So let's just go to this one. All right, this tabernacle. What we recognize is this is a pattern by which Yahweh is operating his entire purpose and plan down through from the, uh, uh, the ages and dispensations of time. Now what we see is down here in the court roundabout, we have the altar, a burnt offering, and that altar, a burnt offering, they had to put blood on the four horns. So we got a principle of blood down here that is working on that altar. And as Cherie explained, we have the principle of water with the laver. The anointing oil genders to the spirit. And then when we go into the holy place, we have the 40 feet that the priest had to navigate in that holy place to perform his function of, of the lampstand, offering of incense, the shoe bread, and so on, and then back out again. We got blood, water, spirit, 40. So what we find out is that all of these occurrences that we, we read down through the Bible, many of them are stories that people are familiar with that, that are in Christianity and so on about Noah and the ark. They don't see the hidden wisdom in any of it. Because that comes by revelation. Now, what we're recognizing is that Yahweh is operating a, uh, according to this pattern. Now, we have to re remember that the pattern, the tabernacle, was a physical structure that was representing the structure or the pattern which Elohim himself is. He is the archetype, original pattern of the universe. So what we have then is we have the tabernacle laid down on the ground, opened up for your understanding to look at and see how the function and structure of the tabernacle was set up. So we could yes. then, when the Holy Spirit began to reveal how he is operating his purpose, we can see that everything is following the dictates of this pattern. Uh, Isaiah 28.9, please. <clears throat> Isaiah 28 and 9. Right. Okay. Whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Now, the question is being asked here, who is he going to teach knowledge to? And who is he going to make, whom is he going to make to understand doctrine? Now, doctrine, ladies and gentlemen, is a body of principles. Now, what the problem is, is that the Bible is nothing more than a compilation from a natural standpoint of manifestations. 
that illustrate principles. The principles have to be taught to you by your creator. It doesn't say whom shall Dennis teach principles or doctrine or who shall your rabbi teach doctrine or your priest or your minister. It's Yahweh. The question is who is Yahweh going to give knowledge to and make to understand doctrine? Now the doctrine is the hidden wisdom that is down through the law and the prophets that the manifestations are trying to get you to see. Mm -hmm. And so so what I want to say is this, that what Cherie just did is she tried to show you the correlation of Moses there not being able to go over into the land of Canaan, but be, being able to look at it or view it, but not able to go over there. And I want to just make a couple of points about that. Now, Moses represents, as we already understand, what we call the law, and we also have the prophets after that. Now, the law and the prophets, ladies and gentlemen, are pointing out Yahshua. But they cannot, by you simply reading them and becoming familiar with what's in there, take you across the divide of natural to spiritual. So when you people read the Bible, they're getting a physical or natural knowledge of the Bible. You know, what happened at this point? What happened over here? And that's what people think the Bible's all about, is just this information uh, that they become familiar with. Not knowing the doctrine of Yahweh, that's a different issue right altogether. Now here's why Moses couldn't take them across. Yahweh was setting up that the law and the prophets can only take you up to the veil. They can't take you past the veil. Right. There's only one that can get you. Now, Jordan River is a veil. We always correlate that. It was talked about today, too, that it's a right. veil just like the Red Sea was a veil. Mm-hmm. Now, what I want you to see is that what Moses had to do is he had to hand his authority over to Joshua, the son of Nun, whom the founder revealed to us here, that that was Yahshua incarnated or down in the earth plane, uh, uh, materialized walking yeah. around right amongst those Israelites mm-hmm. now I want you to know that he was the only one that could take you over the Jordan or past the veil right? and then bring you into the receiving of the promise which is the parcel of land they all had an inheritance from Abraham and so therefore it took Yahshua to give them their inheritance It took him to take them over the veil, and it took him to circumcise the people before they could even go into the land of Canaan's land to prepare them for what they would receive on the other side of the Jordan. So what I'm trying to see is Yahshua here is a figure. Even though we know that that was Yahshua materialized, or Yahweh Elohim materialized, which is Yahshua, we also recognize that he's playing the part back there, not of being the Messiah, but being a type and a shadow to point to the Messiah. Right. So I want you to know that your creator's actually setting himself up in the purpose to not necessarily be the focal point at a, a, a back in the Law and the Prophets, but for him to point himself out when he comes in in the body of Yahshua the Messiah to be sacrificed and die on that cross and eventually pour out his spirit. So, Joshua takes him over. Mm-hmm. Now, what that shows you is this, that what Yahweh is doing, he's going to take you beyond, as it were, 
the physical things, the manifestations that the Law and the Prophets give you, which are necessary to witness to the doctrine of Yahweh. That's why we have to go to the Law and the Prophets. Those things are witnesses, manifestational evidence of a principle. So that when we establish doctrine, we go and show the witness back in the Law and the Prophets that points to it, that gives witness to it. And that means that you need a revelation. The revelation can only come from Yahshua. It cannot come from Moses or Isaiah or Jeremiah. So here he's saying, whom shall he make, whom shall he, uh, whom shall he teach knowledge? Right. Now that he is the Holy Spirit. Whom shall the Holy Spirit teach knowledge and whom shall the Holy Spirit make to understand doctrine? That mm -hmm. is to say, give them a revelation. Read. Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast, for precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. All right. Now, I, I want to make a point. When it says drawn from the breast, Dr. Kinley used to talk about how that Mount Sinai was like a breast, the woman's breast, and the children of Israel were brought to the breast, and they were given, you know, uh, breast milk, if you will which what that correlates to is they were given types and shadows they were their covenant that was spoken to them was natural physical earthly it was not the reality but it was an example it was as it were something that they could understand with a carnal mind so to speak that when Yahweh said don't eat uh, unclean animals for an example or keep this holiday they did all that stuff naturally so for the time then present now he's going to teach knowledge to them that are drawn from the breast read that one more time them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast now when you're weaned from the milk that means you're taken over into seeing something more profound than just the manifestations and that is where the whole thing points to the day of Pentecost. This is what I'm trying to get across. Everything led you up to the day of Pentecost. Everything you read from Adam all the way down to Yahshua in what we call the Old Testament or the Law and the Prophets is leading you to Yahshua the Messiah who will come in, die on that cross, physically so, shed his blood, physically so, be buried, then resurrect as a quickening spirit to pour out his spirit then upon those that were chosen by him uh, in that upper room. And so what we have then is we have that the day of Pentecost is the same principle as crossing over the Jordan River and now the uh, Holy Spirit is going to give you your inheritance to bring you into your own land. Now, at one point, one point, Dr. Kinley said this. He said that, that Abraham walked the length and the breadth of Canaan's land, but never once set foot in the promised land. Now, he drew a distinction between the physical land of Canaan and dwelling in the spirit of Yahshua the Messiah. Because the spirit of Yahshua that all of us are being put within that body of Yahshua, becoming a congregant member of the assembly or the church, that is a spiritual kingdom. 
So what he was trying to show is that Abraham was walking in the manifestation of the promised land. But the true promised land is dwelling in Yahshua the Messiah, which takes place after the day of Pentecost. That's when, when we receive a revelation of the purpose of Yahweh that is set up according to the witnesses, those manifestational witnesses down through the law and the prophets, we are now coming to the end as it were, now I say the end, I don't mean the end of the creation. I'm talking about the end of the purpose of the law and the prophets being set up. is to get us across the veil to see the spiritual reality. In order to see the spiritual reality, we have to be given a spiritual mind. So what the Holy Spirit is doing is elevating our consciousness or our carnal mind from a natural physical state to a ability to comprehend spiritual principles and that is what's happening after the day of Pentecost so here we got Herod thinking that Yahshua was the incarnate of John the Baptist and what we understand is that what was in John the Baptist was Yahshua it's exact opposite Herod had it 180 degrees out of phase. Mm -hmm. And here's the reason. Are you still back in Corinthians? Um, yes. Read 7 again and 8. Okay. 1 Corinthians 2 and 7. Yeah. But we see the wisdom of Yahweh in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which Yahweh ordained before the world unto our glory. That's right. Which now, he ordained it. He ordained it before the world even was for us to, I'll say it this way, to come to a knowledge and understanding of. Right. Read. Mm -hmm. Which none of the princesses of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Now, the now listen. These, I mean, here Yahshua's walking around amongst these people, performing, as, the, as it was said, uh, by our speakers, these miracles. And they're awed by the miracles, but they still don't see who it is that's walking amongst them. They don't right. know who that is in that body. Mm -hmm. Herod thought it was John the Baptist. He took a man that he knew physically and made him then the incarnate in Yahshua the Messiah. Now the people thought, well, this guy's a prophet, and he obviously was sent by uh, Elohim and therefore they thought of him in the manner of being able to do all these miracles because he was a prophet of Elohim because we see back in the law and the prophets that there were miraculous things performed as Jerry had talked about with Elijah raising that uh, 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 sick uh, uh, the boy that had died back unto life and we see other miracles that uh, people would look at. And, 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 and obviously, if somebody saw Moses uh, uh, have water come out of a rock, they would think Moses did that. Mm. And so what I want you to see is the whole purpose is about you recognizing that spirit of Yahshua that was mm. the one that was responsible for everything that was done mm. down through the law and the prophets that you consider to be righteous, or that you consider to be miraculous, that was Yahshua that was doing that yeah. stuff. Now, Dr. Great. Kinley talked about this, too. It was brought up about Janies and Jambres. He um, said, when Moses went down and stood before Pharaoh, 
He was not just there with Aaron, but Mo Joshua, the son of Nun, who was known as Oshia at that point, was with him in that uh, the three of them went up to Pharaoh, to see Pharaoh. And what he said was that Moses was, as it were, the law. He was the one that Yahweh would bring the law through. And yes. because his brother Aaron could comprehend his speech impediment, he would speak on behalf of Moses, and he represented the prophets. Yes. So we have Moses as the law and Aaron as the prophets. And what he mm -hmm. said was that when Moses and Aaron stood before Pharaoh, Joshua was in the background, Oshia, standing there with him, but didn't say nothing, and he was in the background, so to speak. He said that when Moses threw his rod down, it was Joshua that changed that rod to a serpent. And when Janies and Jambres, the two magicians, threw their rod down, he gave that power to the mystery of iniquity to Im imitate what Yahshua himself did that seemed to be a miracle mm. and then had that rod that he had uh, the authority, the rod represents authority by the way, that Moses threw down that had the authority to swallow up the false witnesses. Because that's what those two snakes were, that uh, serpents, that Janies and Jambres uh, threw down, they were false witnesses. And so we have showing that the mystery of righteousness is overcoming the false witnesses of the mystery of iniquity. They're swallowed up in victory. So what I want you to see is that it was Yahshua that did everything. He's the one, ladies and gentlemen, that anytime you look back there and you think, boy, you know, uh, uh, Abraham was a righteous man. He believed Yahweh was yeah. counted to him for righteousness. Well, that does say that in your Bible, and it's true. But let's not forget, it was the Holy Spirit in uh, Abraham that caused him to believe. Because yeah. that spirit has been walking down from the Garden of Eden, incarnating in one body after a next under the what we call the Old Covenant or the Old Testament because the Old Covenant didn't start till uh, uh, Moses at Mount Sinai but truthfully it was the Old Testament that Yahweh Elohim or Yahshua were incarnating in each and every one of those men making them speak prophesy do all those things to represent his own self or his own divine nature right. and now we're seeing it we look back, and instead of thinking very highly about Moses or thinking very highly about King David or, 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 or any of them, we recognize that Yahshua there doing it as well, and they are the recipients. They're the recipients of his grace that he chose them, just as we are now. And I want you to realize that when you see it that way, you start to become humbled to the fact that you can't take credit for anything. You can't get a, swole, a swollen up head thinking you're special because you have this knowledge, your ability to articulate. None of that. None of that puts you in a, in a, in a seat of a higher position than anybody else because it's Yahshua doing the whole thing. And he just as he did it in those bodies before Pentecost, unbeknownst to them, unknown to them. They didn't know it was Yahshua in them that was performing those miraculous things. That was a mystery that was hid even to them.
But under the new covenant, as we ended up in Colossians 1.26, we are having the revelation that it's Yahshua all along that's done every one of these things. It was Yahshua that caused Moses to throw himself, so to speak, at the mercy of Yahweh Elohim when Yahweh Elohim was going to destroy the whole nation of Israel for their sinfulness. And he said, blot my name out of thy book. That was Yahshua in Moses showing that he was willing to sacrifice himself because of his love for those people. And I just want you to see that that's what we have to finally recognize is that it's He's getting every bit of all the glory from day one to the end of the purpose. And we just simply are blessed that he has chosen to manifest his spirit through us as he did with Isaiah, Jeremiah, Moses, uh, uh, Abraham, uh, all of them. Joseph down there in Egypt. That was the Holy Spirit in Joseph that caused him not to have animosity against his brothers for selling them out, so to speak and putting him in captivity and making him go to prison for a good number of years, he just said, well, he saw that Yahweh had to have that happen for him to provide food for them and the family. You read it back there. But truthfully, the purpose even goes a step above that, that he was manifesting Yahshua's ability to be forgiving and, 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 and long-suffering and patient with his brethren. That's what it is. It's all pointing to him, every aspect of it. And so, uh, uh, now, uh, which none of the world, read that again, what you just read in Corinthians there in verse 8. 8. Which none of the princess of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified Yahshua of glory. Do you think, do you think, that anyone, if they knew that was Yahweh Elohim walking around amongst them back there, would have dared conspire against him to put him on the cross? Do you think that even Pontius Pilate would have dared to hand him over? Or any of he told Pilate, he said, Pilate was telling me, I have power over you now uh, to grant you life or death. And he said, he told him, I'm putting it in my words, you, you have no power over me. I lay my life down and I pick it up again. Everything that hinges upon, and he had to keep that secret, ladies and gentlemen, because if they knew who he was back then, they wouldn't have crucified him. And if they didn't crucify him, there would have been no atonement for sin. Right. There would have been no atonement. So he has to hide himself. And not let them see who he truly is. And Dr. Kinley once made this statement. He said, now you know it is, it is, it is uh, 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 hard. It's just hard for Yahshua. I mean, it's, it's hard, as hard as it is for you to see that spirit of Yahshua, that's how hard it is for him to cover himself up wow. that, so you can't see him. Right. See, now that's the point. He had to not reveal to any of him yet truthfully that he was Yahweh Elohim walking around in that body. Mm. They would have never done what they had to do to get the job done. Pharaoh, if he knew he was standing up against the creator of the heavens and the earth, would not have resisted and let them go knowing he was no match for the creator of the universe. 
So he has to harden his heart, but he also has to make himself obscure and not known. None of them knew who he was. And then when we get into the wilderness of Sinai, they go over the spies into the land of Canaan. They spy out the land. Twelve of them come back. Ten get up before the congregation and say, we can't take that land. Those are giants up there. And so then Yahshua uh, 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 says to Moses, let Caleb and I give them our report and, 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 and uh, try to convince them. So Joshua stands up and says, listen, Yahweh will fight for us. He promised us that land, and he will get, give, give them into our hand so that we have that land. The people said, after they gave their testimony, it's in the book of Numbers, he said, stone them. They were going to stone Joshua and Caleb. Now, if they would have known who he was, they would not have denied the report. But he has to hide himself from those people so that his purpose can come to pass that there would be those that would not believe and not accept the true report, and then there would be those that he would then reveal these things to that were blessed according to his mercy and kindness that he would open it up to. You've got to see this thing from a, uh, from a divine standpoint that nothing is going on by chance. It's all according to Yahweh's purpose that it's operating. And all roads lead to Yahshua. Mm -hmm. Everything is pointing to his majesty and his glory. Because what is his job? His job is to manifest the Father, which is pure spirit, to all of us, that he might declare Yahweh to us so that we might know something about Yahweh in his pure spirit state. Now, we can't yeah. see pure spirit. No man has ever seen pure spirit. However, that doesn't mean we can't come to an understanding of pure spirit by revelation from Yahshua. And we do know something about pure spirit. We know that Yahweh is divine attributes. We didn't even know that spirit was attributes. And if you can't know nothing about pure spirit, then you can't know nothing about those divine attributes either because that's what Yahweh is in pure spirit. Now, Dr. Kinley, in the, in, the, in, the, in the transcript called Explanation of the Godhead, talked about how no man can see Yahweh. Because he goes into this example, not only John 1.18, where they said no man has seen God at any time, and then he explains how here they saw God on Mount Sinai. He said, well, that's because uh, John is talking about Yahweh, pure spirit, and what they saw on Mount Sinai was Elohim, that uh, incorporeal form. But he said, no man has ever seen Yahweh in that state of pure spirit. Then he goes over to Isaiah in this transcript where uh, Isaiah said, I saw Yahweh after the death of this one king. He said, I saw Yahweh. And Doc said, now that ain't right. He did not see Yahweh. You can't uh -huh. see Yahweh. Because you can't get outside of him to turn around to look back at him. And here's another thing I want you to know. No angel has ever seen Yahweh either. You say, well, what do you mean? They can't get outside of him to turn around and look back at him either. Right. Now listen to what I'm going to tell you. Dr. Kinley in this transcript said this, that Yahshua is in the bosom of the Father, and he sees him, and he will declare him unto you. That's in the transcript. And that's just the way it has to be, ladies and gentlemen, because 
because his purpose was to make himself known to his offspring in part. Therefore, he has to manifest through the form that we call Elohim and then manifest through the form that we call Yahshua the Messiah. Those are two manifestations of Yahweh in operation, describing and manifesting himself so that we might understand something about him in that state that is incomprehensible and inscrutable through the revelation that he will impart to us through the uh, Holy Spirit, which is also him. So I want you to see what I'm trying to get across here. When we say that, you know, if they'd known who he was, they would have never crucified him. Well, that's true all the way down through. If they would have known who they were dealing with, if they would have known it was the Holy Spirit and Joseph that was having those dreams and interpreting dreams, his brethren never would have tried to conspire to kill him and then sell him into, into into captivity. If they knew that that was the creator, that was the Holy Spirit in there, they wouldn't have done that either. Yes. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. Yahweh has to keep, though, in order to run his purpose, he has to have those that are blind and give them, and the devil is in chains of darkness with his with his imps that were cast out of the angelic, and they, ladies and gentlemen, are playing an integral part in the in the purpose being carried out and brought to its conclusion. And we were delivered. Go over to Colossians now, the first chapter, and pick it up about giving thanks to the Father that has made us meet. Pick it up where he said, I think that's where we want to start. Uh, okay, 12. Yeah, 1 and 12. Giving thanks unto the Father which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the sons in light. Now, he's got to make us meet. That means acceptable. To be a partaker of the inheritance. Just like Joshua had to had to make them acceptable by circumcising them there at Gilgal so that they could get their inheritance. Keep reading. Who has delivered us from the power there of There you go. He has delivered us from the power. We were in the same abyss of darkness as the mystery of iniquity before we came into this class. We were held in chains of darkness. We weren't the, the, uh, the ones that were cast out of the angelic. Of course not. We were slaves or captivity to them just as the Israelites were in slavery or captivity to Pharaoh. So what I want you to recognize is we're the bride right here before Yahshua delivers us, and we're uh, in a complete darkness, and we have the moon over our head, and the sun is being blotted out. And the mystery of iniquity is uh, is doing exactly what uh, you know he wants to do, and we don't even see what he's doing, how he's deceiving us, how he's abusing us, how he's using us, all of these things. But what I want you to recognize, Yahshua has to get us out of this darkness. He has to deliver us out of it because you are held captive against your own knowledge to the mystery of iniquity. And we have been liberated from the mystery of iniquity. I'm talking about our souls have been liberated by the light of the gospel being not only preached, but revealed to us. Because it was just a matter of saying the words that are true, everyone that ever came to class would be delivered from the words being said 
uh, out of their darkness, but no, it, there has to be another counterpart. The words have to be revealed, which means that we are brought into the light. We're being brought into the light of the gospel through revelation by Yahweh, through Yahshua, that delivers us from the power that the devil has over us. His power is to keep us ignorant, like just like Herod was ignorant, just like the the scribe, not the scribe, the scribes and the Pharisees that conspired against Yahshua had to be kept ignorant that that was Yahweh Elohim walking around. Can you imagine these idiots walking up to Yahshua and trying to tempt him about what's written in the scriptures, not knowing that this is the man, this is the the being that declared the scriptures. <laughs> He's the one that spoke the scriptures in. And you're coming to him trying to trip him up. Well, he's got to keep them in darkness in order for them to operate. You, you, don't you see that? They have yeah. to be, re, he has to keep them chained in that darkness. But to you, you can be delivered from that power of darkness through him choosing to reveal these things to you. Oh, and yeah. that's exactly what he's done. He's brought us down to these classes and allowed us to have an understanding. Whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Whom shall he teach right. knowledge? We are the chosen that he has made us to know and understand him. No, nothing that we did. We didn't. We didn't help him with it. We didn't deserve it. He, he has made us meet to be partakers or acceptable. Mm -hmm. Keep reading a little bit more in there in Colossians, and I'm done. And has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now that's the point. We've been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. That kingdom is a kingdom of light, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Illumination of understanding. All the treasures are locked up in that body of Yahshua. All the light and illumination of Yahweh's pure spirit is being focused through that vessel. Yahshua the Messiah just like the, the light coming through a, uh, a crystal and breaking down into the seven colors, the light of pure spirit is coming through that body of Yahshua and breaking itself down for us to comprehend and know something about it. And I'll just say this in conclusion. When he walked to them, it was in the fourth watch of the night. Is that right? On that seat. The fourth watch is the watch just before sunrise. And so when he came to the boat, there was still darkness, if you will. Yes, they, were, they were on the uh, event of, of daybreak. Now when the yes. Messiah came to those apostles, they were in still a state of darkness, but the day was about to begin. They were in the fourth watch of the night when the Messiah came to them and called them and said, Peter, follow me, and the rest of them. Now, what I want you to see is when Peter said, "If you, you know, if if you are Yahshua, let me come out of the boat and, uh, to you on the water." Well, that all of us have come up into this class and heard some of these things and been taken up so high that uh -huh. our feet wasn't touching the ground. We were walking on water, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but now, here's what happened. I have to get this. I'm sorry. I. I wanted to summarize with this, and it's important. Go back over to our scripture reading real quick. I'll do this quick. Uh-huh. Got it. Now, now, when, what happened, I want you to go to when, when Peter gets out of the boat. Tell me what verse that is. 28. 28, yeah. All right, go ahead. 
Peter uh, 20, go ahead. Go ahead Peter. 27, but straightway Yahshua spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Read. And Peter answered him and said, Rabbi, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And Read. He said, come. And when Peter was down, was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Yahshua. Read. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Yahweh. Now listen, all of a sudden, he's walking on the water. Hmm. And everything is swell until all of a sudden the wind is boisterous. Now, you're when you came into this class and Yahshua gave you this knowledge, you were walking on, you follow? You were walking on water. You were caught up in the spirit. And then all of a sudden right. problems came and started happening with all of us in our yeah. lives. And we start to worry, we start to get afraid, and what do we do? We sink right back down into doubt. And read the next verse, 31. And immediately Yahshua stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Read. And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Now as soon as he came back into the ship, the wind stopped. Now, Yahshua had orchestrated that wind to blow so that Peter would be afraid and sink and show that Yahshua still is saving him despite the fact that he was fearful and he doubted. He still caught us by the hand and lifted him up. Now, on the day of Pentecost, now that's what happened, and it was already talked about today, that when Peter denied Yahshua three times. But after the day of Pentecost, Peter had the Holy Spirit now, and he was walking in the light of day with no more fear. And he told them, if you're going to kill me, just go ahead because I have to teach it, speak it the way it was revealed to me. And that's what we have to do is keep our eye on the sun, ladies and gentlemen, and not lose sight of the revelation that he has given us that we can trust him and that he will right. lift us up. So I hope you got something out of it. I'm turning it back to the moderator. Peace in Yahshua. Thank you for the opportunity. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Volpe. I'd like to thank everyone who participated in our Zoom class and those that viewed us on YouTube. We hold our YouTube class here every Saturday from 4 to 6 Pacific time. I would like to ask the Zoom participants to please stay muted until the live stream ends. We will now close with a doxology taken from the last two verses of Jude. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise Elohim, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.